Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Well, if you're like many modern men, you might have a pretty good life. You've got a decent job, a family, a home, maybe a few hobbies you do during your free time. Yet despite having the appearance of a good life, you feel empty inside, like you're missing something. Well, my guest today would argue that what you've got is a case of sad clown syndrome. And to get over it, you need to get together with some other men and do some burpees. Their names are Dave Redding and Tim Whitmire, and they're the leaders of a grassroots movement bringing men together for free workouts called called F3, which stands for Fitness, Fellowship, and Faith. And according to them, they've seen tens of thousands of men not only get physically in shape by attending F3 workouts, but re-energize themselves mentally and spiritually. Today on the show, Dave and Tim share the origins of the F3 movement and how they realized it was solving the problem of sad clown syndrome in the lives of American men. They then detail what the symptoms of sad clown syndrome are and how exactly F3 acts as a remedy. We then discuss why male friends are so important in a man's life and why the typical guys that men usually call friends well aren't really friends we end our conversation by discussing that last f and f3 faith and why it's more about having a purpose beyond yourself and less about religion after the show's over check out the show notes at aom.is slash f3 where you find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic all right tim whitmire dave redding welcome to the show glad to be here happy to be here well, I've had lots of requests to have you two on the show. You are the, the leaders of a of an amorphous, like, what's that monster that you cut off its head and it keeps growing another head? What's that thing called? Hydra. A Hydra. A Hydra organization called F3. Before we get into what F3 is, can you talk a little bit about your backgrounds? Sure. Uh, this is Tim, and uh, I was uh, born and raised in California, grew up mostly in the San Francisco Bay Area, came back east for college, uh, graduated from Harvard in 1992 with a degree in political science, went to work as a journalist, uh, spent most of 13 years with the Associated Press as a reporter in Rhode Island, New York, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and then moved to Charlotte in 2000, left journalism in, in 06 and spent most of the last 10 years working for various financial services firms here in the uh, second largest banking center uh, in the country, mostly in kind of marketing and business development uh, positions. So that was my background. This is Dave. I grew up in Connecticut, uh, but the Army sent me south after I graduated college and uh, I've never really been back. I ended up at Fort Bragg and Special Forces for the last few years of my career and uh, went to law school at Wake Forest, 
here in North Carolina because I really like the state. And uh, at, at law school, I met my wife who was from North Carolina. So as it often happens, uh, Yankee comes south, goes to college, meets a girl from North Carolina, never leaves again. We got a lot of guys in that category. So I've been practicing law here in Charlotte for the last 20 years. Yes, and I should I should say I also I married a Southerner. She's from Richmond, but her mother is from North Carolina, and we've got a, we've got two sons and a daughter. So. All right. Well, I hear it's gorgeous in North Carolina. I've been out, haven't been out there yet. It's one of all my to do list though. Little little steamy this time of year, but uh, but yes, it's nice. So you guys started this organization called F three before. So what does F three stand for? What do you guys do at F three? So F three is is a men's workout group at its at its most basic. Uh, we have a stated purpose of the reinvigoration of male community leadership. That's why we do it. But all that was kind of downstream from its uh, origins. It really just started out as a, a workout group for men to get together and work out outdoors outside of a gym and not pay a, a personal trainer to do it. So it's called F3 because that's a description of what it's turned out to be. And the first F stands for fitness that's the magnet of F3. That's what brings men uh, into our fitness groups. The second F is fellowship, and that's the glue. That's what results from working out together under tough conditions. And the third F stands for faith, and that's not any particular denomination or uh, worldview. It just means you've become aware that there's something outside of yourself that really matters. There's a big world out there, and uh, you stop thinking about yourself, and you're, you're addressing it and what you might do about it. Put those three things together, you got it free. You have a book called Free to Lead, and I love how you, you describe the, the organic evolution of this thing. And as you said, this didn't start, you guys didn't start off with like, you have this grand mission to like reinvigorate male leadership in the community. It was basically, I want to get a good workout. So, I mean, was that what it was? Just like Tim, Dave, like you both felt like you were in a position in your life where like, man, my fitness is really hit hit you know you know it's not verbal uh i need to improve in this area yeah so so this is tim i i and you know dave and i met at this workout that preceded the creation of f3 and at the time i started going to that that group which met at a park here in charlotte and you know 7 a.m on saturday morning for outdoor boot camp style workout i was I had uh, I had rode as an undergraduate in college at about 190 pounds, and I was running about 250 when I started going out to to that workout in 2008, and uh, and so for me it was really this thing of I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna start working out with these guys, and I'm gonna get my butt kicked out there. And I'm going to want to get in shape to kind of keep up with these guys. And that involved getting more serious about what I was eating and also about doing some other exercises, doing some body weight exercises, not just running all the time, which is actually a pretty inefficient way to uh, to burn calories. Um, so that was really my impetus to go out there and keep going out there. And in the course of doing that was, you know, Dave came out as well. And he and I got to know each other and started talking about what else was bringing us out there besides just the fitness part of it and, and sort of gain the steeper understanding. But Dave kind of had his own reasons for being out there as well. Yeah, I mean, when I was in the Army, uh, I was always in very good shape. Uh, but law school disabused me of the notion that that was the result of any self-discipline that I had. The unit requirements, Army requirements to be in shape and being a leader, uh, it was incumbent upon me to do so. But it, that was all external. Uh, I gained a lot of weight in law school. And then after that, had a really hard time keeping it off. I could, I found that I could, I could lose 40 pounds and gain 40 pounds pretty quickly. And I did it a lot. Then the 10 years in between graduating law school and then getting involved in this predecessor to F3, 
I might have gained and lost that 40 pounds five or six times. Uh, so really what I was in search for when I uh, was invited to this workout was a way to uh, maintain some kind of consistent fitness. And what I found was that having the accountability of other men there who when you, inevitably when you're in good shape, you know, it's a, it's a pendulum or a parabola or whatever, you get in good shape and then you kind of start falling out of shape a little bit. Right there is when you need another man to say to you, look, you, you look like you gained some weight back or you're slowing how come you haven't been out here? And what I found three is just just that suggestion by another guy because we're quick to jump on each other uh, when we haven't uh, when a guy's kind of sl- sliding was all I really needed. And ever since we started F three, I, I haven't had that up and down problem anymore. I've been able to maintain my weight. So for me, that was the reason I started, and it's been a big reason why I keep doing it. Right, but uh, like as you said, F three wasn't. F3 when you first started. It was just a bunch of guys getting together to work out. As you said, it was sort of a shoot off of another workout group that was going on. At what point did you guys realize that this F3 workout was bigger than what you thought it was originally? Yeah. So, so we, so the origin of what we came to call F3 came in the fact that the, the group that we were meeting with the guy who was leading it, a guy named Jeff Gillibo, decided that it had grown too big. And it, it's the irony is that the, the point at which it had grown too big in, in his mind was 25 guys, which is just sort of a, I mean, it's kind of crazy considering how big it's become since then. But so he shut it down to new guys. And this was in the summer of 2010. And Dave and I had become friends by then. And we're sort of talking about what this had done in our lives and kind of looked at each other and said, well, this is crazy. We, we want to get it in front of more guys. So let's go start another location. You know, we, we got too many guys at, at Freedom Park. Let's go to this middle school a couple miles away. And we, we had, we both had been in town for about 10 years at that point. So we all, we had relatively long list of guys. We knew we put together this email about, as I recall, about a hundred guys. And we sent a series of emails throughout December of 2010 saying, Hey, you might've heard about this workout group at Freedom Park. Well, we're going to launch another location. We'd love you to come out. It'll be New Year's morning. You know, come come work off your hanger. You know, start the new year right. All the sort of resolutionary stuff that people do. And we figured we'd get two or three guys out there on New Year's morning and build it in much the same way that the workout at Freedom Park had built, which was sort of by ones and twos. And about 10 minutes into the workout, after guys started sweating, it smelled like a distillery out there. And and the crazy thing was those guys, instead of it being like the YMCA, you know, where you can't get a locker the first week in January and it's it's a it's a desert again by the end of February. These guys kept coming out and kept coming back and wanted to do more. They wanted to work out during the week. They wanted to to do crazy races and, and Spartan races and mud runs and stuff. And it just snowballed from there. And it, it got to the point very early that spring where we realized, okay, well, this one location isn't enough. We're going to have plant a couple other locations um, on Saturday morning to take the, the pressure off of um, this one location that now has 40 or guys. And part with that challenge came, we need guys to lead that because we're not the only, we, we can't be the only ones who are capable of leading this. So, so and again, this, this workout's free, right? right, right. You have to pay for it. Yeah. Okay. And you, you mentioned it's, it's a boot camp style workout. I mean, what does it, if someone were to go to an F3 workout this Saturday, what would they see? Well, it will really depend where they go. We say boot camp really is kind of a placeholder for what it is because F3 doesn't uh, prescribe or proscribe any particular form of exercise. It really depends on the local leader. It's very decentralized. So we have groups that cycle, groups that run together. 
but the typical boot camp workout is going to be a mixture of running and body weight resistance exercises and maybe using uh, whatever is available in the, in the local area to assist that. So if there's, say, a playground, you know, we'll use the swing set to do pull-ups on, for instance. But for the most part, we don't add any gear to that, like uh, except for maybe kettlebells. We'll carry rocks, for instance, or cinder blocks or something that's kind of organic to the area. And the whole idea there is to keep those barriers to entry down. So, you know, like what we call the EH or the emotional headlock is what we put on a guy to recruit him. And, you know, you say to the guy, why don't you come out and work out this Saturday? Of course, he says, first question, what's it cost? We say nothing. Second question is, you know, what do I have to bring? And we say nothing. You know, and, and that makes it much easier to get a guy to come out because they didn't have to worry about buying the gear or having any kind of gear. Also, it depends on where you are. So it started here in Charlotte, what we call Charlotte Metro, and got uh, six years ago. So guys have been doing it here for quite a while. If you come to a weekday workout here, which is 45 minutes long, uh, weekday boot camp workout, you might run four miles in those 45 minutes. And still do a bunch of push-ups. Yeah, interspersed with a lot. squats and burpees. Right. So the, the running itself will be at a very high pace for brief periods of time. You might run a quarter mile. You might run a mile. Uh, it just depends on whatever the leader comes up with. We do a lot of running up hills, you know, or in tough terrain to kind of toughen ourselves up. But I, you know, if people ask me, what are the components of a workout? What should it look like? I say, do what do what you discover, what you think works, but try to, to have three S's and two T's. And the three S's are strength, speed, and stamina. And the two T's are toughness physical and toughness mental. In other words, do something to accelerate the men's strength, you know, challenge them there. Do something to try to make them a little faster. Do something to try to give them uh, more than they can handle for a distance, you know, so they can build that stamina. And that'll give you physical toughness. You're rolling around in the rain, you know, in the mud or whatever. That makes you physically tough. And then that, that mental aspect of it. I mean, we meet in the dark. We don't have a lot of uh, safety things that we do. We start exactly on time. And if you're not there, you get left behind. We don't carry water bottles. We don't take breaks. And all that uh, goes into, I think I heard one of your earlier podcasts, uh, Brett, with the stoicism guy. And one of the things he said was that uh, doing things that make you uncomfortable are good for the soul. I'm paraphrasing what he said. But, you know, he said, uh, you know, don't wear don't wear enough clothes for the weather. In other words, be a little cold, you know, expand out your comfort zone. And I, I heard that. and I was like, wow, that's that's F3, you know, in a lot, nutshell, in a nutshell. Yeah. you know, because we. We just don't bow to anything that will make you comfortable. He even said something we say, which is personal comfort should not be your watchword. You know, if you set yourself aside, take on a little pain, you know, we're a bunch of doctors and lawyers and accountants and whatever we are, right? So this might be the only physically difficult thing you're going to do that day. But that's a huge part of it. So if you if you go to a workout, you can be pretty sure that you're going to be challenged physically and mentally a little bit, pushed past where you want to go. The leaders are going to be looking for the mean, you know, they're, they're, they're not looking to kill anybody, but they want to challenge the guys that are on. And that's part of the leadership is figuring that out and how to do that well. And then I, I would just add the other piece of it is nobody's nobody's going to get left behind. And that's one of the things we really hammer with our um, with our leaders is lead the workout in a way that you're not going to drop anybody. So, you know, a, a lot of Dave was talking about, you know, there's there's going to be some running. But the metaphor I use is kind of pearls on a string, right? So you're never going to run 
more than an eighth or a quarter of a mile at a time. And nobody's going to get left too far behind at that point. When you're done with that running segment, everybody's going to plank up. You're going to wait for what we call the six, which is the last man in, in line to get there. And then we're going to do some sort of set piece um, of body weight exercises. Maybe we'll just put guys in a circle and count cadence and do exercises. That's called a circle of pain. Maybe we'll do something like pick a hill go to the top, do one burpee, run back down, go to the top again, do two burpees, do that to seven, and you call it a Jacob's Ladder. And so those set pieces are the pearls, and the the string is the running through the whole thing. We're going to keep you moving throughout the entire 45 minutes or an hour, and that's your basic F3 workout is pearls on a string. And I know I'm at a good workout when during the running I'm like, I can't wait to stop and do some push-ups. And when we're doing push-ups, I say, I can't wait to start running again. You know, then you know you're getting a good workout. All right, so this thing started growing organically. You sent out that email, you had 34 guys show up, and people kept coming back to the point where you had to actually split up and start another group somewhere else. At this point, did you guys still have your mission for F3? Like, was it was it F3 yet? Like, when did F3 become F3? At what point in this this boot camp did it transition to what it is today? I think it was about it was about two months after we started talking about splitting the first location was when we came up with the name because it was one of the guys who had helped us plant it originally who said to Dave, who's a friend of both of us, hey, you know what this really is is it's fitness and it's fellowship and it's faith because we had started doing as part of our we we do we call it at the end of the workout we have what we call the circle of trust and we all sit around in a circle and everybody says their name. Uh, and their age, and then they they say their F3 nickname because we're super tribal about all this stuff, and everybody gets given a nickname so that you're part of the tribe. Um, and then we usually have announcements of some sort, and then we do a prayer at the end or or a shout out, and it can really be you know around here in, in the Bible Belt that usually is a prayer, but in Seattle sometimes it's just some sort of you know more secular words of wisdom or whatever. But that that is and that's the only sort of faith based piece of the workout. But those were the three F's was he said, you guys got the fitness and the guys keep coming back because of the fellowship and, and you got this faith piece. So it's, it's F3. And we're like, Hey, that's really good. We're going to use that. And we had a guy, a a designer friend of mine do a logo for us. That was a a, kind of a military stencil font with the F a little, uh, a little three that was kind of the, in the, uh, the cubed position next to the F put a circle around it. And, uh, put it on some stickers and started out to guys and they started popping up on cars all over Charlotte. And then the next thing you know, you're driving down the highway, going to the beach or something and you see another F3 sticker and, uh, and you realize, Oh wow, this thing's really kind of taken off. So, so, uh, I'm curious, like when did the, the, the circle of trust start? Like, was that something you started off with right away with the first workout or was that something that kind of grew organically? You thought, Hey, let's try this thing. No, and it's kind of funny, as many things happen with us, it already with an idea of practicality. Initially, I was leading most of the workouts, and at the end, we didn't have any formal real system. We just kind of ended it. And uh, we write back blasts, which is just a, a short narrative of the workout afterwards, where we want to list everyone who was there. And I was trying to do that out of memory, and I was having a very difficult time doing that. One day, Tim and I were running with another guy, and uh, he says, you know, what we really ought to do is sit around in a circle and uh, count off and then say each other's names so we get a chance to, to get that done. And the funny part of this is, of course, I was looking for a way, a mechanism to capture everyone's name. So the idea appealed to me. Tim, on the other hand, immediately rejected it and said, that's kumbaya, bunch of junk. We're not going to do that. Now, the funny, ironic part about that, if you know us, is I'm more to the right edge and he's more to the left edge. So 
you'd have expected me to be the one to say, you know, that's just some millennial sentimentality we're going to engage in. But, you know, we talked about it some more and we decided to try it. And we, the first time we tried it, it was a huge hit. I mean, the guys loved it. So we say, you know, we, we first we count off. So we make sure we know how many guys were there. Then we say what we call your hospital name. And that's what your parents named you before they knew what you were going to be. Then your F3 name. So we get that down. And then your age, because it's, it's incredibly interesting to know how old guys are and what that, that age range is. And then after that, one guy volunteers. And as Tim said, he can pray to, to anything he wants. All we really want to inculcate a feeling of thankfulness for the opportunity to have spent that 45 minutes together and to become better men. And the prayer just branches out from there. I've, I've been to a lot of different places in F3, and uh, I haven't been out west where I guess it's, they're going to be a little more you know, Gaia-based or something. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll bet they're, they kind of say the same things, you know, just this demonstration of thankfulness for being men together and getting this opportunity to carve out 45 minutes to make each other stronger. That, that's really the heart of it. And then we walk out from there. Sometimes we'll you know, pray for things specifically, but for the most part, that's, that's really what it is. It's just that, it's just that demonstration, and it's uh, hugely popular. And, and I'll, I'll uh, poke fun at myself because I was the one who thought it was the worst idea to ever heard. And now it's, I mean, it's one of the five core principles. There's, there's only sort of five rules to an F3 workout, and one of them is you have to end with a circle of trust. And, and I'm like a lot of other guys in that if I go to another workout and it just sort of ends with guys just kind of walking away from yeah. each other up, oh, see you later. Like it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Like they, it, it becomes the, the ritual of it becomes this immensely meaningful thing as a way of sort of ending our time together. So that's awesome. And what, but what I love about it is that how organic it was like, you weren't thinking like, this is something that will bring us together. It was like, this solves a practical problem, but <laughs> co- coincidentally it's, it, it became a ritual. That's the way we do almost everything. Almost everything yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, you alluded to, uh, we have a lot of different words for everything and that we've tried to cap capture those in our lexicon on our website. And really all those are, are things we've heard. A lot of them come from the military, but a lot of them come from movies and other things in, in our culture we share. And that's what I think it is. It's an expression of the F3 culture, uh, the uniqueness of F3 culture. Doesn't mean that it's it's not influenced by things outside of F3. In fact, it all comes from things outside of F3. But when we see or hear a good idea, uh, and good meaning it advances the ball, it's missional. We're very quick to try to, to spread that and capitalize on it. And uh, by the same token, we've had some ideas, we've huddled up and had some ideas that on paper, on the whiteboard, look great. We've tried them. They don't catch on. You just throw those away, you know, and we just keep moving. If it works, we're going to keep doing it. If it doesn't, we're quick to abandon it. And Brad, I would I would say one aspect or one thing that really shapes that is the fact that it's, it is free and it's volunteer-led and it's not a revenue-based organization. Basically, the only revenue we generate are we we, we sell F3 gear. We go in the, the store that's on our website. You can buy an F3 shirt. Guys do custom shirts for different locations. Um, we put a 10% tax on the gear sales, anything that's got the logo on it. That's the only revenue we generate, and we use that to fund, um, to fund spreading F3 to new cities. But because we run that way, um, we have to be almost, uh, I don't know, just have a killer instinct about like, if something's not working, we're going to drop it. If somebody's not working in a position as head of expansion, we're probably going to move on pretty quickly from that. And if something works, we're going to just grab it and and hold on to it. And it makes you, uh, um, it makes you kind of lethal with your, your instincts on that stuff because we don't, 
you know, we're all we're all trying to make a living other ways, and uh, and we don't, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have time out of uh, messing around. Yeah, F three as an organization resembles a lizard, not a bullfrog. I mean, we're lean and light, and we keep moving because we have to. Gotcha. So two months in, you said you kind of you figured you were onto something bigger. You guys talk about in the book that F three solves a problem that many American men are facing today. What is that problem that F three is the solution for? So we call that sad clown syndrome. And we got that name from the Sopranos, an episode of Sopranos that, uh, well, there's an episode where Tony is being psychoanalyzed by his psychiatrist and uh, trying to explain, she actually asks him if there's a tension or a dichotomy between his family life and trying to portray a family man and the fact that he's a gangster. And he misunderstands the question and responds, you're like, yeah, everybody expects me to play the sad clown. You know, happy on the outside, sad on the inside. And uh, both Tim and I were Sopranos fans. We both saw that and uh, we're talking about it one day and thought it really aptly described the plight of American man in this age, which is you you're you're in high school and your dad says, you know, study hard. Why? So you can get in a good college. You're in college. Study hard. Why? So you can get a good job. Why? Get a good job. You can have a family. So much of why everything leads to another thing. But there's no ultimate purpose on that. You know, there's no answer to any of that. And, uh, you know, I think I was in my mid-40s when we started this early on that a lot of guys were around that age range. In fact, I think the mode age was 43. That was the most common age when we were in those circles of trust. What we realized was it was really drawing in a lot of guys who had gone kind of the first 20 years of their career, knew what they were doing. They weren't really asking their dad for that much advice. In fact, your dad might have been getting a little bit long in the tooth and was asking him for some advice. When they're walking in the break room at work and everybody got quiet, they realized they were talking about him for the first time. Heck, I'm the, I'm the man now. And yet felt ill-equipped to deal with that. You know, something was missing, right? What is lack of kind of purposeful? I'm doing these things. I'm making money. I'm stroking checks. Somebody asked me to do something. I feel like it's the right thing. I go to a, I go to a church. You know, I volunteered with the Boy Scouts, whatever. But if somebody asked me to define why, I can't do it. And sadness, this lack of connection to things eternal, you feel obliged to bury it. You know, you don't want to, to reflect it on the outside. It would be harmful to the people who love and depend upon it. But it's still there and it's not going away. And maybe, you know, Tim and I are pretty clear about saying we're not psychiatrists or philosophers or sociologists, but we are American men with families, with jobs, and we can see it. And this, this problem, this syndrome leads to other unwanted behaviors, drinking too much, gambling, being risky behavior, things that just are ultimately going to harm your family, harm yourself. So we tried a way to make F3 this solution to that problem, and it turned out that it already was. Well, and I, I would amend that to say we actually, we realized F3 was a solution to that problem after the fact. After the fact, yeah, it already I mean, was. That yeah. was sort of... You know, he as it turned out before and I before he and I even knew each other, it turned out we've been going to church together for seven or eight years um, and never knew each other. But we're part of it was a big Episcopal church in, in North Carolina. Neither of us coincidentally goes there anymore. But it was this kind of place where guys would show up. Everybody would put on their Hermes ties and their suit on Sunday and go sit in the pews and see him be seen. And you you kind of you know slap another guy's back if you saw him in the hall. But a lot of guys were just checking the box being there. Um, and, and we were among them. I mean, that's the other thing is we are perfectly happy to admit that, yes, we were sad clowns as well. Sure. Before this this thing happened to us, which was the, the predecessor workout and before we sort of found this purpose around F3. So it becomes 
this thing of like looking around and realizing, wow, it turns out I was lonelier than I thought I was. I thought I had a bunch of friends, but they weren't actually really that good of friends. They were just sort of acquaintances. Now I've got this workout and it's keeping me in consistent shape. So I'm not bouncing up and down on the scales anymore. I'm going between fat pants and skinny pants. Um, and I've got this consistent group of friends that I see four mornings a week because I'm getting up at five 30 in the morning and we sweat together. And then, and we share a bond from that. And that in turn has sort of freed me to sort of stop looking at my own navel and wonder why I'm so unhappy. And, blame my wife for the fact that I'm unhappy and look around and say, okay, well, there's a big world here. What can I do to make a difference in it? I'm in shape. I'm friended. I got a lot of energy. Let me go do something. And, and that, the, the other thing that I'll say about F3 is we're not going to tell you what to do with that either. Um, we just want you to do something with it. I don't, I don't care if you use that energy to serve the homeless. I don't care if you want to get on a plane and go to Peru and, and build mission churches. I don't care if you want to go plant trees and, and do the Al Gore thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it does not matter. We just want you to have energy around something. The, the church thing is a funny thing because I actually met Tim's wife long before I met him. We were on a commission together. One day she says, you know, you you should meet my husband. You'd really like him. I said, tell me about him. He said, and he was a, he's a, a, journalist. He was a journalist. And I thought, and I said, of course, I said, oh, he sounds oh, great. Yeah. But inside, I'm thinking, I hate, I, I'm going to hate that guy. I went to Boston College. I went across the river. So I have a natural antipathy to, to Harvard guys. And I'm a warrior. You know, I mean, why would I want to talk to a, uh, a guy in the media, you know? And I, and I didn't even know or meet him in, a, in, in the church until long after we started working out together. He was teaching Sunday school to one of my daughters and I walk in to pick her up and I just I'm just like shaking hands you know superficially and he Tim looks at me he says dread because he hadn't seen me in the daylight you know and I say oh OBT what are you doing here he's well I go to church here so he says we went to church together for seven I say we went to church apart for seven years I mean it just left to our own devices in some of these institutions that are designed for a higher purpose like church men are just not selecting and uh, that that one vignette, I think, illustrates that disconnect uh, in a very clear way. So what F3 does, uh, let me just kind of summarize, the, you guys attack sad clown syndrome from three points. The fitness part, I guess a lot of guys who have sad clown syndrome, they're like you, got, like you David, like the, the Pogo 40, like gaining weight, losing weight over and over again. And that results in just, I don't know, you just feel like crap no energy. Um, so the fitness, the workout part is there to help that. The fellowship part, I think is interesting because you say that a lot, there's a lot of institutions that bring men together, but not really. What do you think it is about working out with other men that turns, you know, turns acquaintances into like really strong relationships? Mutual suffering. Shared I mean, pain, yeah, shared shared pain. Pain. I mean yeah. you know, why, why, why do Dave and I get in a van with four other guys every September and go run 210 miles for 36 hours straight? You know, it's just mutual suffering. I mean, the army has this figured out. Yeah. I yeah. mean, when, uh, when you go to basic training, uh, you know, the first part of it is always physical training and just the shared pain and I didn't realize it until after the fact, but getting beat down by that drill sergeant and having a, you know, a common, common nemesis who's forcing you into joint suffering together is the quickest wall uh, breaker there could possibly be. I mean, it just forces you into fellowship, like any sports team or anything like that. Just doing that together, uh, sharing that pain does it. And it really happens so quickly. 
particularly with the way F3 is designed, a guy comes out for his first experience, he's shy, doesn't know, doesn't know anybody, or just, you know, he's just a little bit, these guys all seem to know each other. But the culture that we have is very accepting very quickly, but like we like to say, we aren't, we're not going to leave you behind, but nor will we accept you where you are. We will encourage you to do better. And, uh, you know, of course, because we're men and there's no, no reason not to, we give each other a hard time. Yeah. You know, we get out in those workouts. We're, we're direct with each other and we, we laugh like crazy. A lot of funny stuff happens. Funniest thing that can happen in a workout is a new guy can come out and what we call splash Merlot. That means just throw up. And I know it doesn't sound funny. And if you're listening to it, you're like, why would that be funny? It's because it's happened to us all. It's it's like a rite of passage. And when that happens, you know, you've splashed Merlot and man, you're one of us now. Because you have, what you've done is you've subjected yourself to a level of physical training that you could not do for yourself. I mean, no one will go out by themselves and run themselves into, into nausea. That requires chasing after another guy. And if you're willing to do that, and you're willing to subject yourself to that, then you're our kind of guy. You know, I mean, you're, you you have thrown yourself in. You've done the, the, the nest he plunge, right? And we have just found that that forms those instantaneous bonds from which other a deeper relationship can then develop. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. You guys give each other a hard time. I just got done talking to a, a psychologist, therapist who specializes in like boys and males. And he said that, uh, you know, a lot of times men get a bad rap for like not being nurturing. Men are actually very nurturing. They just do it aggressively. It just looks, it looks very, very yeah. the way females do it. I mean, I, right. you know, I'll take issue with, with that idea. I think what, we're more, much more truthful with each other. Uh, you know, and you can look at the nicknames we other, which are generally not complimentary. Now, you know, our, our parallel women's group, you know, there's a lot of buttercups and sunshines, you know, but we don't, you know, we don't do that. Uh, in fact, I think you're doing another guy a, a serious service. By, service. No, service. Oh, service. Sorry. A service by being frank and direct with them. Yeah. You know, of course, that come, that's going to come from the military. But, you know, and maybe this is a little bit growing up Yankee, but, you know, if you grow up in Yankee land and you've got a bigger nose than the next guy, your nickname is going to be Schnoz. And then, you know, so a thing that you might carry around at, uh, on your back as a burden. Gee whiz, does everybody think I have a big nose? Well, we get cut right to the chase. Yeah, you got a big nose. And you know what? You're still one of us. <laughs> You're one of us, man. We love you for that, right? You know, that, that's that's kind of what it is. It, it, I think it's helpful for men in a male culture to be that way, which have always been that way. Successful male cultures. I only think now, you know, in, in our current uh, cultural state is this idea where men are not supposed to do that. You know, I agree that at a point, too much directness can become bullying. And it really is just a matter of intent. If you want to belittle another man to make yourself feel better, well, congratulations, you're a bully. But if you are being direct with a guy and direct with yourself and, and taking it as much as that you'll give it, that's not bullying, man. That's just being men. And we have to, as leaders in our communities, we have to have enough discernment to be able to see one from the other. And, and every time somebody gives another guy a hard time, that, that's not necessarily bullying. We've got to be able to see that difference. And uh, F3, I think, aids that. So you mentioned, so you, you develop these tight-knit relationships within these workouts because of shared suffering. You see sad, men with sad clown syndrome. What kind of friends do they settle for, usually? 
Well, I mean, the, the, we, we categorize that. There's, I mean, we talk about this in the book a bit. I mean, first of all, there's the legacy friends, right? So you're, you're college buddies and, and you're like, oh yeah, we're still friends. You know, we live, we live on the other side of the country from each other, but you know, we talk at least what, once or twice a year. So that's, that's still one of my buddies. We were really tight back when I was 21, 22, 25 years ago. So you got those guys. And then um, we talk about the mandate, which is the guy that is married to the woman that your wife is friends with. And he's a very convenient partner so that the girls can get together. And now we can have a double date and, uh, and the couples can, can get together. But or, you know, and a lot of times maybe that's the another dad from your kid's soccer team or something like that. And you can stand there on the sidelines and talk about, oh, hey, the Panthers won. Boy, Cam Newton looked really good, didn't he? Kind of thing. Um, that's a pretty superficial friendship. That's not a friend that you've chosen for yourself. That's a friend who's proximate um, and convenient or that your wife has picked for you. And then, you know, your third category is your work buddy. Um, and that's guys that you work with. Um, there are problems in that relationship, though, which is that, as we all know, nobody nobody works for uh, for one company for their entire career anymore. So that's going to change at some point, probably. One of you is going to leave. You're also in competition with each other, um, if not explicit competition. And, uh, and that's not somebody that you necessarily are going to open up to, um, nor are you necessarily going to open up to uh, your mandate um, because there's, you know, a cross collateralized relationship uh, between your wife and that man's wife. And uh, and you're not going to necessarily want to muck around with that. And then by the time you open up to your um, to your buddy from college, it's probably too late because you have picked up the phone for your once yearly call and you're letting him know that, yeah, my wife and I got separated a few months ago. Things, things weren't going so well. Well, too bad you didn't pick up the phone and call him uh, three months before you and your wife got separated to talk about the thing that was going to cause you to separate from your wife. So it, it really, we, we find a lot of guys, you know, sort of gliding by with these very, very superficial relationships. And what we found with F3 is that that mutual suffering opens the door to basically different relationships between men. Um, and there, there was, there was a guy named Billy Baker wrote a really good piece in the in the Boston Globe this spring that got all the F3 guys really um, fired up when they saw it because it was about loneliness being a huge problem among among adult men this huge undiagnosed problem and and poor billy because uh he got deluged by f3 guys i think every f3 guy emailed him and said you know there's a solution for that hey by the way you're a sad clown hey you should start f3 in boston hey why don't you start f3 in boston wait wait you don't want us in boston you must be a sad clown and by the way Brett, we discourage people we discourage guys to accuse other men of being sad clowns. It's I mean, not good marketing. It's not good marketing. Right? You know, when Tim was just describing that, it reminds me what the narrator says to Tyler Durden when he describes single-serving friends. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, so that is really what it is. I mean, it's 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 just convenience, right? You got that, you got that faraway legacy buddy and you got your old times that you can bask in the glow of. You got the, the mandate, you know, but when you get divorced, your wife gets the better car and she gets all the friends. So he's going to be gone. You know, and the, the work buddy, man, you go to a new job, you're going to find a new guy to play golf with. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Those friends, I think the expression, they're not large grain friends. Yeah. They're going to pass through the sifter, out the bottom. They won't stick it out. When when your life starts shaking apart, those kind of friends, those single serving friends, those small bore friends, so, you know, you know, they'll just leave you alone. <laughs> right. So it sounds like with the, uh, the fellowship part of F3, how it's a solution to... The sad clown syndrome is like basically these guys are there for accountability. They'll call you on your bull crap, right? Yep. yep. And then also they're there for encouragement. Like you know, when you're there working out, they encourage you to push yourself harder than you thought you were able to do. Sure. Sure. 
Okay. Yep. Sure. Well, let's talk about this the 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 final faith part. But let's talk about the problem that you see a lot of men today face. In the book, you describe a lot of men lack a purpose in life, and you call these guys reachers after Jack Reacher. What do you mean by you know men being a Jack Reacher type guy? Well, I think that because we don't face any existential threat, at least today in America, and haven't really for a long time, and there's no draft, and we're let's face it. Historically, no people have ever been more comfortable and safe than we are. While that might have been the goal of all these things people have been doing for the last 3,000 years, suddenly now it's not very difficult, right? And I think as it turns out, in the heart of men, and I, I'm not excluded, so I don't know because I'm not one, but in the heart of men, there is this desire to be heroic, to be purposeful, to, to attain something, to have your life mean something. And without it, man is incomplete. And uh, the reason why we call them Reachers and, and compare them to Jack Reacher or really any, any of these idiosyncratic heroes, you know, that you find, uh, you find in, our, in our current literature is because substitute, we substitute in our, in, our, in our suburban lives, we substitute the idea of doing something truly hard and dangerous with this kind of fantasy life that we read about in books about men doing things that are truly hard and dangerous. And all these idiosyncratic uh, heroes or anti-heroes really all share some very basic characteristics. One of the most important of which is they're very rarely married. They don't have mortgages. They don't have stable jobs where they work for someone else. You know, they're, you know, they're independent in some way. Read Jack Reacher being the, the, the fictional embodiment of all these things, right? A former military guy leaves the military because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not pure enough for him. He travels the country on foot, basically hitchhiking with nothing but a toothbrush, not even toothpaste. He has nothing in his pockets but a debit card. I think we've upgraded that now. He, he might have a driver's license because of, uh, because of 9-11, but before he didn't. He walks into a town, usually someplace out in the Midwest or the South somewhere away from an urban area, and that town is in the midst of some conflict, very clearly between good and evil. He stumbles into it in some way accidentally, and neither side, the good nor the bad, can figure out initially what side he's on. The bad guys want him because he's so huge and menacing. The good guys are a little concerned about him, but they're able to do some research and find out that he's a former military policeman. And he always chooses the good side. By the way, along the way, he hooks up with some woman who's usually from the the uh, law enforcement side of the house, some FBI agent or something. And they have a very hot hot relationship. Let me guess, she's beautiful but damaged? She's beautiful but damaged. But, you know, he also makes it very clear to her from the start that he's basically free for her. At the end of this, he's leaving because he has to, because it would destroy this thing they have for him to stay there. I mean, that is just male fantasy life 101. And one to, fantasy piled on top of one another. One fantasy piled on top of another. And, and to make that, uh, that really is diverting to men leading these lives that we're leading where being heroic really is what? I mean, going out in the rain to get another box of diapers and coming back and changing your kid. I mean, that's, that's real heroic, right? Going home at night, bringing your paycheck home, going home, taking care of your family, being making, a- Making your marriage work. Making your marriage work, being a model to your sons is how a man should act being a model to your daughters is whom they should look for in a mate and doing that pretty much every day with a couple of mistakes. You know, that's that's a heroic existence, but you're really not going to set type of man glorified in today's 
uh, fiction in today's culture. So I, I have to say here, being being the high toned Harvard guy, I don't read genre fiction like, <laughs> like Lee yeah, Childs or whatever. So I had never never read any Jack Reacher novels, but but I was a big uh, Twenty Four fan back uh, back so, in, uh, the, in the day. day. Right. And it was, and and I remember Dave describing the whole Jack Reacher thing to me the first time. And I was like, oh, that's basically Jack Bauer. That's sure. why I love Jack Bauer. Right. Or, or, or we got rid of the wife at the end of the first season, and from then on, you know, it was right. uh, it was free and clear. Yeah. Or uh, Travis McGee from an earlier yeah. era. Or Philip Marlowe was another one. Yeah, Philip Marlowe. That well, that, that, look, I mean, when you think about breaking. Think about the whole thing in Breaking Bad. Why did people hate Skylar so much? Because she had these strings tied to Walt. Right. Right? They wanted Walt Joy. to be the free, right. free to be the badass that he always right. wanted to be. Right. So then, then you know, uh, there has always been this kind of in literature to be to be, to be fair to women too. They're often inserted as kind of the killjoy resistance to a exactly, guy being exactly. like Barbara Hersey in, in Hoosers. Yes. I mean, <laughs> this guy save this town, save this kid. Yeah. He's trying to sober, sober uh, shooter up and get him back with his son. And Barbara Hershey's driving to the next town to get all the dirt on him. I mean, you know, so, the, the, you know, this kind of male fantasy doesn't it doesn't serve us well, though, in our daily lives, yeah. because because male heroism is really starts with your wife and then your children. And then your friends, and then the younger men who, into whom you're pouring and passing on positive habits. And then finally, you know, finally it is work. You know, it's the least uh, most important thing in your life. So when we say Reacher, that's really our way of saying, come on, man. All that, you know, focus on the thing right in front of you, the thing that God put us on earth to do. And that's, that's to be a great husband and father and man in community, you know, what, uh, you know, the, the word that they mesh, mesh, mesh right. Ish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Be a mesh, be a mesh. you know, be that guy. And so what the virtues that we try to extol in F3 are those virtues. And, and instead of these, uh, idiosyncratic heroic virtues that are, that are sometimes over-celebrated in literature. Right. So the, the third F then faith, you make it very clear in the book that it's not pushing a particular denomination or even religion, really. It's just, Faith is like a purpose outside of yourself. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. So look, I mean, Dave and I are both practicing Christians. We are both more than happy to talk about our faiths at length with any man who wants to have a conversation about that. I would argue we, we probably have slightly different views on it within the realm of Christianity. But that's also immaterial to us in the context of F3. What we want is men to come in and and have the energy and the desire to act on whatever their faith is and it many of them are christians and many of them do take that energy into their churches and into their what we call down here in the south their daily faith walk right. um but but i we don't really care about that what what we want is to see men acting with purpose to affect the world outside their simple daily survival and that of the the nuclear family that might depend on them. Right. So you take the uh, the stoic guy that uh, Brett that you interviewed, you know, and he he talked about this what the trilateral mission of man or whatever it was, you know, but you had to recognize those things over which you had absolutely no control, and don't worry about them, don't think about them, and you had to look at those things over which you have some control, some influence, you know, and put some time and energy into making those right. But those things that you can control, that you can affect. Uh, and have impact on well that's where you should be putting most of your energy and time and that's what we tell guys too don't sit in your house and and watch fox tv and yell at those people on tv they're not hearing you i mean you're never going to meet president trump you know you you don't have to speak your mind to him but there's there's men and women and children in your community who you could and should impact and influence towards those things that are virtuous as americans that we hold most dear 
And for those things, you have an obligation to your community as a man to be a leader in those ways. And that's what we that's just what we mean about faith. You know, believing that these things are more important than you and being willing to do something about it. Put your money where your mouth is. You know, it's really most people say, well, you know, you, this guy doesn't try to preaches. Really, the problem we have, my belief is that it's men who won't preach what they practice. Guys who are leading these objectively virtuous lives. They're doing great things with their family, but they won't talk about it. They think it's judgmental or they've been beaten down, you know, they've been beaten down into keeping it to themselves. And we encourage guys to go spread that out. Talk about it. Help other men be the same way. I mean, if it works for you, it might well be working for, for it might well work for another thing. Another thing Stokes said was he didn't say he had the answer. He said he had a answer, a purposeful way of living his life. And he felt like it was helpful to other people. And that's why he wrote the book. In fact, that guy's a perfect candidate to be a leader in F3, even though I, I don't I didn't hear him say he was a Christian. I think he said he was a, a Buddhist stoic. But you know, <laughs> right? But we would embrace that and say, man, you're you you are right with us. That is exactly what we think. So, so I mean, what do you what do you think it is about the the fitness and the fellowship part that energizes men to look beyond themselves? Because you you guys talk about this in the book that you started doing the workouts on a regular basis, then it, organically you had guys getting together and saying, "Hey, we want to do Habitat for Humanity," or "Hey, we want to take up this cause in the community." What's going on there? What is it about working out together with other men that energizes men to to look beyond themselves? They are uh, they are in community with each other. I mean, I, look, I, I, I studied at, at Harvard under a guy named Robert Putnam. About five I love Robert after, Putnam. Yeah, so about five years after I graduated, he wrote you know, what has become a seminal book in American sociology called Bowling Alone. that talks about the atomization of American society, that in the, in the 1950s, you know, grown men used to gather on a regular basis in bowling leagues and rotary clubs and... Knights of Columbus and veterans of foreign wars halls and something happened in the 60s. And I mean, the crazy thing about the book is it's, it's sort of a murder mystery. You know, who killed American community? And he never really comes up with a satisfying answer. He thinks it might have been the television. Um, it might have been the political uh, upheavals of the 60s and so forth. Never get a really satisfying answer. But something has happened over the last 50 years that has caused people to retreat from one another and from community in the society. So the book at the time it came out, I found it tremendously disturbing. A lot of what's happened, you know, kind of politically, socially since then has reinforced the concern. And the thing that I've, I've loved about F3 since we sort of reverse engineered what it was doing was it is this organic solution to the bowling alone problem. It creates community um, almost everywhere we plant it. And it doesn't matter if we plant it in Statesville, North Carolina, or Hickory, North Carolina, both relatively small, more rural towns in, in Charlotte, um, in, on, in the San Francisco Bay Area. It takes root, and all of a sudden, you've got guys coming together in a way they have them together and willing to work with each other in a way that you haven't been willing to work with each other since, since the 1950s and the 1960s. So I, I, it's really... It's it's really community. Sam, you you were talking about this with Jason McCarthy a few weeks ago. We we're both sitting here referring to all your past podcasts, which is, I guess, a testament of of loyalty. I mean, that is GoRuck is building instant community during those challenges, and we've both done a number of the challenges. And that is absolutely one of the points: is build an instant community of thirty people. We use the challenges in our Iron Project leadership school. We use that pressurization. Jason, you know, see, we were both special forces soldiers, although 10 or 15 years apart, it sounds like. But putting men under stress 
and women as well, putting people under stress in leadership position uh, and making fight against that is just a great way to teach leadership and to, and to form a cohesive team. And he talked about how you have to spend that first couple of hours, you know, in that welcome party, welcome party. Until, until people figure out how to work together, right? How to work instead of stop thinking about me. How do I work together? And uh, I mean, we've been doing this in the military for 300 years in in America and, and worldwide. It's been, you know, I've listened to your 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 Roman, your Greek and Roman type. It's it's that's how you build build a cohesive team, and nothing's really ever changed along those lines. It's still the right way to do it. So for us, putting men together and putting them under pressure and building them into leaders, because that's the dirty secret of F3 is it looks like a workout, but it's actually a leadership machine that that puts turns them into leaders and in turn builds community, builds bonds and, and repairs, basically repairs the breach um, in this country and in, in a small way. I'm not saying we've solved the whole problem. Obviously, it's still a huge problem. But I, you know, if, if you put me in front of President Trump, I, I wouldn't necessarily fuss at him, but I would tell him, uh, you know, Mr. President, I, I got to tell you, we've got a small piece of a solution that we started down here in Charlotte. So if a man walks into F3 for the first time, a sad clown, that's the archetype. What are, what's the archetype you guys are going for as a result? Like what should he look like a month, two months after doing an F3 workouts? So we call, we call that first post the first bell. So, you know, I guess that's a wonderful life kind of reference, but so we call it the first bell. The second bell is his first leadership experience. The leader at F3 is called the Q. So you, the leader of a, of a workout is the guy who cues it. And the first cue is the second bell. And that is usually a dumpster fire because it's a guy that has never led anybody in that situation before. And he makes some classic errors. But the best part of it, he gets that uh, he gets that out of the way. And once he's done that and gets some feedback from the other guys in the workout, of course, they're going to say, yeah, here's everything you did wrong, but we loved it. Do it again. And, and gets his kind of leadership feet on the ground, starts learning these time-honored leadership skills. Never, these have never really changed. Starts learning how to influence other men and, uh, and to motivate them. He starts taking that into other aspects of his life and ultimately becomes what we call a, a high-impact man or a him, H-I-M. And a high-impact man is just is a guy who's willing, in the various institutions and organizations of his life, he is a man who's willing to take responsibility for the outcome. He visualizes things that would give advantage to his groups, make them accelerate. He articulates those visions in a way that other people can understand them. He persuades other people to follow him, to, do the, to, to pursue these outcomes, and he exhorts them to fight through the obstacles that are, are going to appear to any, uh, to, to any effort. And in that way, he becomes that leader, that person that makes things happen. Uh, that disruptive force, that high impact man. Ultimately, we see it in every group that's been going on, you know, as long as, as soon as they get two or three months old, it seems like it happens. Guys start to work out at a homeless shelter, which seems anomalous, right? Why would guys at a homeless shelter want to work out? Turns out they do. Or they get together with uh, a group that needs help in any way, you know, raking leaves, cleaning gutters, you name it. It, it just becomes that outgrowth. He sees a problem, a need in his community, he has a bunch of guys that he knows he trusts him. He asks for their help. He tells them what he wants to do, and they get in behind him, and they do it. And uh, that's the high-impact man. 
So, Brett, just and just to explain a little further, we come within F3. That's called the reverse flow incubator, and it, and it comes out of the fact that we want guys to come to us with ideas, and we want F3 to be their platform for extra ideas, as opposed to a top-down approach where you know we're not going to we're, we're not, Dave and I aren't ever going to sit here or whoever else comes the leadership of F3 is never going to sit here and say you have about the homeless because that happens to be what we care about. In fact, we share one thing, which is that neither of us feel particularly passionately about the homeless. No, we just don't. Um, it, it just, it's not our thing. Like We get that other people do, but our thing has always been actually adult men who need to become leaders. Um, but it's it, instead, it becomes this thing of, you care about the homeless, that's great. Hey, we've got this platform of, we think about 16,000 men out in the, in the across the nation working out together. I bet there are a few other people who care about the homeless who are out there and want to band together with you to have an impact right. on the homeless. Right. So, you know, we say that the best uh, a guy with an idea looks like a volunteer, you know, volunteer to lead it. If we were a political party and somebody asked our platform, we'd say we don't have one other than seek virtue in your community, whatever that happens to be, because how could we possibly know? I mean, we're not there. Uh, so we encourage men and their communities and their organizations to be better leaders, to be virtuous leaders in those organizations to discern for themselves what needs to be done. Now, we'll help you all day long as long as it's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, we'll, we'll show up for the homeless. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, sure. you know, as long as it's, it's not, you know, obviously harmful. You know, I mean, there's plenty of things I do that I don't I don't really believe in the underlying cause as being a major problem. But you know what? I believe in the man who believes in it. So he comes to me and he says, I want to do this. What do you think? I said, if you believe in it, man, do it. I'll, you know, I'll help you do it as best as I possibly can. But, I, but don't ask me to believe in it. I mean, I'll believe in you. And I think that's the difference between our organization and, say, you know, other very fine organizations like the YMCA or Habitat for Humanity. They have, you know, targets and outcomes and specific things that they want to see happen. And they marshal resources and volunteers and money to try to make those happen. And we're just the reverse of that. We don't have anything that we think should happen other than pe- men should do things. And to the degree we, har- we harness anything. It's our motto. Men should do things. Men should do things, right? You know, that, that's the solution to, to our problem, which is male is dormant male leadership. You know, we believe that in communities where the men have ceased to lead and we have agreed to disagree uh, agreed not to discuss as an organization how it happened. It doesn't matter to us how it happened. It just happened. So here we look out in the landscape and we see men failing to lead, like in the church where we were both members and somehow managed not to bump into each other over the course of seven years. Well, the solution to that, we believe, is reinvigorated leadership. And that's that's what we attack. And that's what we think F3 does very well. The F3 platform is it helps reinvigorate male leadership in a very organic way. You all are starting a new outreach from that sort of teaching leadership based on F3 principles. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we call that the Iron Project, and that refers to the uh, the line in Proverbs about uh, um, sharpening one another as, as iron sharpens iron. And uh, that's been sort of a core principle of F3. So I think Dave alluded earlier, there is a sister organization called FIA, which stands for Females in Action, that, that sprang up alongside F3 about a year after we started. 
And so Dave and I have pulled some folks from some leaders from FIA and some leaders from F3. And what we want to do is just basically take the leadership lessons that we've learned in F3 and help other organizations build their own leadership machines. I mean, so if you think about that sad clown who comes in one end of the F3 machine and comes out the other end, an energized leader, um, we feel like there are a lot of organizations that could be doing that that don't do that very well. And so we want to come in and help teach them how to build their own leadership development pipeline and empower their own people. One of the things, we haven't hit on this specifically, but one of the really key attributes of F3 and FIA is that if you come in, this is that second bell Dave was talking about earlier, you are expected to eventually lead a workout. If you're going to come take part in this and it's going to be free, we want you to lead as well. And and that ver- that vision of shared leadership where it becomes your workout the day that you actually lead it. It's not Dave's and my workout anymore. It's 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 all of our workout. That's that's something that's desperately needed in a lot of different organizations. So we try to get in and really show people how to draw on the different uh, leadership uh, possibilities in their people, how to raise them up, give them a chance to succeed, but also a chance to fail. And then after they've failed, find another place for them to lead where they're they're better suited. So that's that's kind of the vision, um, and we're uh, we're out there. We're working with corporations. Um, we're we're going to be trying to work with some college athletic departments, um, and uh, and we're going to be uh, we're going to be working with F3 and, and FIA groups as well. Um, so the website for that is uh, www.theironproject.com, um, and we're also on Twitter at at Project Iron with that been a great conversation guys um let's say there's a guy listening to this to try an f3 workout where can they go to find out where they could www.f3nation so the letter f the number three nation.com um that is our our national website you've got a map on there where you can put your zip code in and find the nearest workout we are currently primarily concentrated in the southeast but we made a, a big push into the ohio river valley this spring, so we're now everywhere from Pittsburgh all the way across to Indianapolis and the the I guess the southeastern Chicago suburbs. Uh, we're going to go to into Chicago this fall. Um, we're also down in Texas and Dallas, uh, San Antonio and Houston, with Austin this fall, and we're going into St. Louis this fall as well. And next year, we're, we've got an outpost on the West Coast in Seattle. And we're going to be working our way down the West Coast and up into the Northeast over the next couple of years. Awesome. Well, Tim Whitmire, Dave Redding, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Brett. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. My guests today were Dave Redding and Tim Whitmire. They're the leaders of the F3 workout movement. You can find out more information about them and even find a workout near you by going to f3nation.com. Also check out their new leadership project. It's the Iron Project, theironproject.com. And check out our show notes, aom.is slash f3, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. If you enjoy this show, you've got something out of it, I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It's all it takes. It really does help out a lot. As always, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. 
coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.